Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, June 8, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing today is Sarah Abbott. Sarah, where are you? I am in Bristol in Control Room E, just, just like usual. Very nice. Taylor Schwink, where are you? I'm in my home studio in the foothills of Connecticut. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Very nice. I'm Buster Only. I'm working from my home in New York. So yesterday was a crazy day for the Angels, who fired manager Joe Madden, age 68, someone who's going to get consideration for baseball's Hall of Fame, with the team in the midst of a 12-game losing streak. Here is Perry Manassian explaining the decision. Not something that I thought was going to happen. Three weeks ago, but felt like it was the best interest of the club going forward to make a change at the managerial position. And uh, I love Joe Madden. I love the person. I love the conversations. Met with him this morning. It was really tough. But my job in this position is to do what's best for the organization day in and day out. And I don't take that lightly. I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. And where we were today, you know, waking up today. I felt like it was the right thing to do. Just thought it was time for a new voice, and um, we have not played well. You know, the last two weeks have been really tough. You guys have seen it. So there hasn't been one phase of the game where we've been good. We've struggled on the mound. We've struggled at the plate. We've struggled defensively. We've struggled base running. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is the effort's been great. You know, and and I believe in this group. You know, and I know we've gone through a tough stretch, and. Uh, we have 106 games left, and I'm excited about the 106 games. I'll explain to Dave Schoenfield coming up why this wasn't a surprise at all that they wind up making this change. Phil Nevin was named interim manager, and early on it looked like the Angels had a chance to end the losing streak. Next pitch, and that ball's driven deep into center field. Kike Hernandez is back, jumps up, and that ball is going to get out. It's a home run. It looked like he had caught it, but he couldn't come down off the wall. That one is Trout here, and the Angels are on top. It's two to nothing. Yeah, Mike Trout giving the Angels a lead. That sound from Angels Radio, Terry Smith. But early in the game, Trout was removed because of left groin tightness. We're expecting to hear more later today about the severity of that injury. The Angels actually had a 5-3 to three lead in this game, but they gave up runs in the 6th and 7th innings. And then in the 10th inning, this happened. Two balls, two strikes. Here's the pitch. Swing and a ground ball into right field. That's a base hit. Story rounds third. He will score. Vasquez delivers. He's high-stepping over at first base. 6-5 Red Sox. And that would be the final score. Alden Gonzalez sent this tweet out late last night. The Angels lost their 13th consecutive game, a new single-season franchise record, and it now tied with the 1985 Cubs for the longest skid by a team that was 10 games above 500 when the streak began. Six of the Angels' 13 losses have come by a run, including the last two. Nevin talked about Trout's injury after the game. We're just going to check him out tomorrow. Um, you know, that was, it was more, he felt a little tightness. 
But you know, these things you got to take a look at him the next day, really, to get a real good, good look at what, what's going on there. But he doesn't seem too alarmed about it. Uh, but like we said, we got to we got to look at it tomorrow. The Braves, the Athletics, Ronald Acuna Jr. had already homered when he came to the plate in the third inning. Seidel's back up to the plate, 1-1 pitch, high fly ball, deep left center field, forget about it, it's another home run for Acuna! His third consecutive at bat with a bomb. That from 680, the fan, the score was still tied at 2-all, bottom of the seventh inning, Guillermo Heredia at the plate. And the pitch on the way to Heredia. He hits a high fly ball to left. He attacks swiftly, sends one down the line, and the Braves have the lead. Guillermo Heredia sends one down the left field line. It is his third homer of the year, and for the first time tonight, the Braves have control up 3-2 to two over the Athletics. Carl Wright was great again. He's building a case for National League All-Star. That's for sure with how he's going. The Braves win 3-2. The Rays beat the Cardinals 4-2, but along the way, Albert Pujols had a moment. And the 2-2 pitch to Albert. And a grounder. Base hit. He is all alone. Ninth place on the all-time hits list. Albert Pujols with hit number 3,320 to pass Paul Molitor. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 support and access to product specialists. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. You know who's getting it done? Aaron Judge, seemingly every day. Top of the first inning, this is what happened. And Judge hits that high in the air to center field. Celestino back, all the way back. He's not going to catch up with it. A two-run bomb off the bat of Aaron Judge and an early 2-0 Yankee lead. Ryan Rucco on the Yes Network. Yeah, the Yankees rolled after that. They win 10-4. At the end of the night, Judge on a pace to finish this season with 64 home runs. White Sox and Dodgers, and it was an ex-Dodger who got a big hit. Pitch, and he drives one into the right field corner. Fair ball! Mendick scores. Abreu around third is coming home. Relay throw's gonna be late. It's 2-0. A.J. Pollock off the bench. Len Casper with that call on ESPN 1000. The White Sox went 4-0. The real story in this game was the continued emergence of Michael Kopech. Six innings, one hit, no runs, eight strikeouts. He's got a 1.94 ERA. Yesterday, the most unhittable pitcher in baseball, Josh Hader got hit. The Brewers' closer took a lead into the ninth inning against the Phillies, and then this happened. 1-1 is it high in the air to deep left center field. How about this? The streak is over. Alec Baum has just tied this game up here in the top of the ninth inning. A pitch up in the zone, and Baum didn't miss it. It's his fourth home run of the year. It's something that has not happened since July 7th of last season. Josh Hader has blown a save. Swung on, hit well to left, and this one's got a chance. It is back, and it is gone. Matt Veerling has put the Phillies on top. Matt Veerling has homered to left off of Hader, and the Phillies are in front 3-2. to 
those play-by-play voices were those of Tom McCarthy and Scott Fransky. The Phillies win the game, beating Josh Hader, which is pretty tough to do. You Darvish and the Padres shut out the Mets 7-0, but this was the moment in this game that might have the most lasting impact. And he gets tied up, and that ball hit him. And he's, I think he swung. Is he all right? Yeah, I believe he swung. I believe he's, no, they're going to say he did not swing. First base umpire Malachi oh. Moore. Oh, and now the question is, is Pete okay? I mean, Bob Melvin says it was a full swing, and it's hard to argue with him. He definitely looked like he went around, but that ball got him on the right hand or wrist. He's, All right. Pete's been hit way too often already this year. How many hit-by-pitches now for this team? Well, that'll be 38 for the team and 7 for Pete, and he's coming out of the game. Yeah, that was Gary Cohn and Keith Hernandez and SNY. Pete Alonso was hit on the right hand by 96-mile-per-hour U Darvish sinker. The initial x-rays came back negative for a fracture, but he's going to need more imaging later today. Starling Marte also came out of the Mets' uh, loss with left quad tightness. Buck Walter told reporters after the game, hopefully we get lucky with both of them. We'll see. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, real quick, before we move on, there's a new 30 for 30 out there. You can stream it on ESPN+. Plus. It is called The Greatest Mixtape Ever About the Streetball Era, the and one era, if you remember that in the uh, the 90s and the early 2000s. You can check that out again on ESPN+. Plus. And there is a companion 30 for 30 podcast titled A Streetball Mixtape. Listen to that wherever you get your pods. Also, The Low Post, Zach Lowe talking to Jeff Van Gundy about game two of the NBA finals and looking ahead to tonight's game three in Boston. He's also talking to Tim McMahon about the drama in Utah with them firing their head coach and Brian Windhorse. He's got a new pod out too. hoop collective. Tim McMahon is there too, along with Tim Bontemps. Uh, They're previewing game three of the NBA finals, including how Clay Thompson is attempting to get himself going. The new battle cry for Boston. If Draymond Green has put himself in a precarious position with the officials, including Scott Foster, plus a new head coach in Los Angeles, Russell Westbrook's future with the Lakers and more on Quinn Snyder officially stepping down in Utah. Again, that's the Hoop Collective and the low post for all your NBA Finals coverage. Go check those shows out wherever you listen to podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield, who's going to hang out with me apparently all day, Dave, because after <laughs> I take the podcast with you here, you and I are going to do the power rankings in a little bit. I'm just going to let you know, like, I'm the point guard on this show. You're going to be the point guard on the power rank. Oh, I got some questions already for you for the power rankings, Buster, so come prepared. Oh. Okay, well, I'll be ready. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Obviously, uh, the number one topic on the board, the firing of Joe Baden as manager of the Angels. Uh, you know, I, we were hearing from, you know, editors last night, uh, and there was some surprise expressed. And I got to tell you, it didn't surprise me that much at all because there had just been such a consistent low-level buzz from other front offices. They were like, yeah, there's a lot of unhappiness coming out of the Angels organization with a lot of decisions that, uh, that Joe's made. Um, and look, the dynamic that was in place here, Perry Manassian was hired as general manager after Joe Madden was hired by Oni Artie Moreno. So in, in, as I wrote in a column, in baseball parlance, Joe Madden was not Perry's guy. Uh, and the team struggled in 2020 under Joe. It struggled in 2021. Uh, and then this year, you know, they got off to a really nice start. But once they started losing, I kind of wondered if some of this other stuff might wind up manifesting and in the end, it did. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you, and especially considering that Madden's contract was up at the end of the year. That makes the decision even easier. But yeah, they were look. They were 24 and 14, 10 games over. They lost 12 in a row. Then they lost again last night for 13 in a row. But they became the first team ever, ever, I believe, that was 10 games over 500, and then went on to lose at least 12 in a row. And, yeah, I know it was a perfect storm of injuries and, you know, Taylor Ward went down, Anthony Rendon went down, the pitching wasn't doing the job. But at some point, you got to win, Buster. The Angels have had more consecutive losing seasons than any team, you know, more than the Pirates, you know, more than the Tigers. It's been a long time since they've been over 500. So the axe had to fall. I wasn't surprised. Yeah, uh, I thought Joe Girardi, after he got fired last week, really framed it absolutely perfectly when he was like, well, you know what? We didn't get the results. They spent a lot of money, and so changes are going to be made. To me, it's a little bit of a similar situation. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and look, is Madden, you know, the blame? Probably not, although I, I have to admit, back in April when he pulled that intentional walk of Corey Seager with the bases loaded, that was trying to be nice here. That was the strangest move I think I may have ever seen from a major league manager. And frankly, I thought that was a fireball offense at the time. It was so out of left field that I know Madden tried to rationalize it, but that didn't, his rationalization didn't make any sense. So that was like, what's going on here? And I know that was one move and they actually came back and won that game. But 
I think that decision put him immediately on the hot seat. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, we also have to remember that the culture around the manager has changed so much, you know, 50 years ago, Earl Weaver could make a decision with the Orioles. And if the general manager kind of ventured into the clubhouse the next day, because he wouldn't have come in after a game and asked, Hey, Earl, can you explain that decision? You know, Earl Weaver would have like told the guy to F off, (laughs) (laughs) ordered security to get him out and say, this is my place now. And this is not a commentary about Perry Manassian. This is about all of baseball. Uh, now you see general managers, executives in the office of the manager after the game and basically say, okay, and they're not second guessing, but they want to know what the manager's thinking. And there just have been a number of situations that have popped up, which, you know, from a front office perspective, you had questions. You're yep. the one you cited is exactly right with Corey Seager. I still haven't talked to anyone in baseball who understood that decision. Then we had the situation spring training where the Angels, uh, you know, after a winner uh, during the lockout, there had been discussion in their organization about moving Mike Trout to the corner. But, uh, the, you know, and their rationale, I think, was probably going to be built around the fact that they could save some wear and tear on Trout by putting him in right or left field. Uh, and they also, you know, had a, a guy that they considered to be an elite center fielder, Brandon Marsh, as they started spring training. But then Joe, in speaking with reporters, told them that, before Trout was told. (laughs) Trout told reporters that he heard about it on social media for the first time. So the whole idea was tabled out of respect for a future Hall of Famer and a face of the franchise. And there was a lot of frustration over that. So I think there were, if you're going to make decisions as a manager now, you don't necessarily have to be 100% in agreement with the front office, but you better better have some some explanations that they're going to buy. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, that spring training deal with Trout, you wonder why and how that communication line broke down. And I know they couldn't talk with Trout for a long time you know, during, during the lockout, but yeah, you, you got to have that respect for, you know, the game's best player. You got to have that discussion, you know, either as the, at, you know, the end of last season or at some point or the first day of spring training. And obviously they didn't have it, you know, and that's not the way you treat Mike Trout. You know, even if from a baseball standpoint, maybe moving him to left field makes sense. You owe it to Trout to discuss it with him privately first. So that was completely inexcusable. Yeah. And it was a little bit confusing, too, because it's not like Mike Trout's a difficult personality. Right. (laughs) All I've ever heard from the staff is, is that if they have ideas, he's very open to those discussions. You know, I covered the Orioles uh, back in the 90s. Uh, Davey Johnson was managing the Orioles and he wanted to move Cal Ripken to third base because he thought he had lost range at shortstop. And so Davey told reporters first that he was moving Cal to third. Uh, I was among the group that ambushed Cal and said, Davey said, you're moving to third base. And part of the reason why Davey did it was to get that locked in stone. <laughs> like he wanted us to be the messengers with Cal. Trout, you don't have to do that. Right, no, and, and Trout, you know, Trout's talked about his defense before. He knows that in some years his metrics haven't been great. You know, he's worked to try to improve his reads and his jumps, you know, but at some point, you know, you're no longer the best center fielder on your team. You got to move, even if, even if you're Mike Trout. But, again, have that discussion, you know, don't rub Mike Trout the wrong way and get the season off to a bad start. Do you think Joe Madden will manage again? I'm going to give you that. That's the question that I got asked on radio this morning. Uh, I'm curious to see what you think. 
I don't think so. You know, he's he's 68, which is a factor. Obviously, you know, Dusty Baker, Tony Larusa in their 70s are showing that age isn't, you know, the the only criteria in this day and age. But, you know, there were I don't think the end of his Cubs tenure ended all that great. There were some questions at that time how he was managing the bullpen and some of his other in-game decisions. And there's a point where your style just no longer works like it once did. Um, and maybe the Joe Madden style kind of he's, you know, not, you know, what you want in today's game. Um, obviously, he's an all-time great manager, 31st on the all-time wins list. He won a World Series, took the Rays to a World Series. Um, I don't think he's quite a Hall of Fame manager, but no, I don't think he gets another job. He'll never have to buy a beer in Chicago again. That is true. That. Uh, <laughs> you know, he'll always have a place to park his RV there. All right. Uh, last night, another home run for Aaron Judge. Uh, you know me. I'm an on-pace guy. I find it fascinating because I think it's a great way to frame what players are doing. Uh, after that home run last night, uh, he's on pace to finish this year with 64 homers, 26 doubles, 133 runs, 130 RBI, 72 walks, 185 hits. He's got a slash line of 315, 385, 685. What do you got on Aaron Judge? Well, I don't know if he's actually getting enough credit, Buster, for this season he's having. Remember, we got to factor in. Offense is down. Hitting for average, harder than ever. Home runs, yeah, they've been, you know, increasing a little bit the last few weeks. But home runs, not as easy as they've been in in recent years. So, Buster, Aaron Judge is a 204 OPS plus. So, that means he's 104% better than the average major league hitter. Wow. Well, since 1970, over 50 years, there have only been 12 seasons where a player had a 200 OPS or higher. And six of those were from Barry Bond. So this does not happen very often if he can keep it going. It really is a historic-type offensive season so far. Yeah, and partly because of Barry Bonds, I think if he continues on this pace, this is going to be the most talked-about thing in baseball for the last two months of this year. Yep. Um, but regardless of you know, whether you view Barry Bonds, the all-time home run leader, or if you Roger Maris, or maybe you feel like Babe Ruth is the all-time home run leader, but you know, and I know there are a lot of fans yep. who will, who still consider, you know, 60, 61 as really important numbers in baseball history. Uh, and if Judge is actually taking a run at those while not coming close to Bonds' single season record of 73 or uh, which was in 2001, and that year, Sammy Sosa hit 64. We know Mark McGuire hit 70. I think there'll be a segment of fans who'll be completely locked in on that pursuit. What about you? No, absolutely, because the fans, and I think understandably so, they view the the totals from Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa as tainted. Hard to disagree with that sentiment. You know, you know, a few years ago when Giancarlo Stanton was making that run, he ended up at 59, although his run came late. August and September, he hit a ton of home runs, so he wasn't necessarily on pace like judges now. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think fans are totally going to rally behind it if 61 is in sight. So our friend Paul Hamagidi sent me a great stat this morning about the Yankees and their home runs. Dave, think about this. This uh, team so far this year has hit 83 homers, and they've allowed only 39. They've more than <laughs> doubled their opponent's home runs, they're a plus 44 in that uh, regard. 
which is easily the best in baseball this year. And I asked Hembo, okay, what are the team records all time? This team is, I'm not saying they're going to break these records, but it's pretty impressive when you compare where they are with clubs in history. Number one all time, the 1927 Yankees were a plus 116. The Twins uh, in 2019 were a plus 109. You remember that team from a few years ago. They just hit a bunch of home runs. The Blue Jays from 2010 were a plus 107. So uh, if you measure what they're doing against history, pretty impressive. Yeah, no doubt. And look, how do you win in baseball in 2022? You hit home runs and you try to prevent them. That's the way the game is played. And there's a reason the Yankees, they're 40 and 15, best start since my beloved 2001 Mariners who won 116. So there's another pace to keep track of, Buster. If they, Can the Yankees challenge the Mariners, also the 1906 Cubs record of 116 wins? No. Nope. I don't think so. Because I think the division's too good. Yeah, I I I agree. You know, at some point, and I think that four teams are going to make the playoffs out of the American League East. At some point, that'll pull the Yankees down. I don't necessarily think anybody's catching the Yankees, but uh, I think that that it'll slow down their pace. Uh, I want to ask you about two young pitchers who threw last night, uh, Michael Kopech, Alec Manoa. Which of those two guys would you rather have if you were running a club? Man, that's a great question. I, I've seen a lot more of Manoa. Um, he's on one of my fantasy teams, so I try to, you know, catch his games. He is just – he's a large human being. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's got to be a little bit of a scary, you know, proposition when you step into that batter's box against him. Kopech, you know, just great to see him healthy, back starting really for the first time since he had that Tommy John surgery a few years ago. Um, so I would say I haven't seen quite enough of Kopech beyond, you know, these two great months. So for now, slight edge to Manoa. Um, but I look, I look forward to both of these guys making the all-star team and maybe contending for that Cy Young award. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, saw Kopech pitch a couple weeks ago. That guy's stuff is unbelievable. He has the better stuff, but I love Manoa's presence. Yeah. Like Manoa just looks like I'm here to kick your butt. And I'm going to beat you no matter what. Would you agree with me? He just, I love, you know, they always have the scenes of uh, pitchers in the dugout during the course of their games. They'll go and hide in a corner and they're like the monk who doesn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, (laughs) They just cover themselves up. They try to block everything out. Manoa's like walking around. Hey, buddy, nice job. How's it going? Nice play that last half inning. No, he looks like he's having a lot of fun out there. And your point on Kopech is really smart too. Because remember, he was the guy when he was a minor leaguer. He hit, I think, 105 mile per hour, you know, with his fastball. And he doesn't throw that hard anymore, but he's become a pitcher. You know, he still throws plenty hard, you know, but the off-speed stuff, the control that was always uh, a concern when he was a, a top prospect, he's reined that in. He throws strikes. Um, just you know, two fun young pitch. And we wonder why batting average is 240 across the league. Try to hit these guys. No wonder it's amazing guys hit 240. I've told you before that the default channel in my house uh, falls in the Atlanta Braves because my yeah. son is a huge Braves fan. Uh, and because of that, last night I was watching when this happened. Give a listen to Michael Harris the second in the Braves game playing center field. Rifle toward right center field. Harris on the run. Lays out. Look at Andrew's reaction. 
When you get a whoa out of Andrew, you know that's some kind of play. Chip Carey on the Braves television network. He was working with Paul, uh, Paul Bird and Brian Jordan last night, and that's exactly right. The camera pan on Andrew Jones, you know, is viewed as the greatest center fielder in Braves history defensively, uh, and he basically was like, wow. And I tell you this, Dave, when I was watching that live and that ball was hit, you're like, up, oh, it's in the gap. And you're like, boy, might he get that? And then the way he closed in that ball, yep. it looked like the ball was like a, a parachute was attached to it the way that he finished that play. Yeah, it was a great play. I saw him make another really nice catch a couple of days ago that, that in we certainly had read about his defensive abilities coming up. You know, it was a little bit of a surprise when the Braves promoted him straight from double A, you know, to the majors without, you know, much experience above class A. Uh, but man, he can run it down. And the thing that's surprising to me, Buzz, he's a big kid. He's like six, yeah. three, two fifteen or something like that, but he can really run. And you can see with some of these highlights why the Braves wanted him in center field. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, given where they are early in the season, it, they, they saw enough of Marcelo Zuna playing the outfield where they were like, okay, enough of that. And now yep. you've got Acuna, uh, you know, playing right field, and you got this kid playing center field. And, uh, you know, if you get Adam Duvall going well, maybe he's playing left field, Eddie Rosario, that's some sort of combination. But it feels like he has a chance to be a guy who could stick as a young player because he's that good defensively. Yep. All right, sir. Thanks, Dave. All right, Buster. Thanks. I'll talk to you in a little while. You bet. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all around America, all around the world, or you can go to his website, toddradom.com, or you can go to a team store, like the Red Sox team store, which I might stop by tonight, Todd, because I'm going to be at Fenway Park watching Sir Paul, Paul McCartney, and he's doing a show. What do you think? Wow. Look at that. Buster, that is like, we we just got to be an, I've never been to a concert at Fenway, got to be an incredible venue, and certainly for Sir Paul all this great history in a place for history. How cool is that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, you know, there's a lot going on. We get Sunday Night Baseball this weekend. I got to prep for that. But then I'm like, you know what? I got a chance to see a Beatle, right? <laughs> <laughs> How many songs have I listened to from the Beatles? I got to go. Yeah, I mean, I have to. Yeah, I, I think that's an absolute must. And of course, you and I, I always say this, exact contemporaries born within days of each other. 
at the height of Beatlemania, my mother often tells me a story about listening to a Beatles record and uh, hoping that I would emerge out because she was very large with me right when the Ed Sullivan show was uh, was going on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to this week's Phantom franchise. All right, Buster. The San Francisco Giants are one of MLB's cornerstone franchises. They have won three World Series titles this century, and they play in a jewel of a ballpark. But before any of that, they very nearly relocated to the stadium where the Tampa Bay Rays now hold forth. St. Petersburg, Florida opened the Florida Suncoast Dome, now called Tropicana Field, in 1990 in anticipation of a franchise relocation or future MLB expansion. The Chicago White Sox came very close to moving to Florida in 1988, and the Texas Rangers, Minnesota Twins, Oakland Athletics, and Seattle Mariners were also wooed by Tampa Bay area officials. By 1992, Giants owner Bob Lurie, a San Francisco native, was frustrated. His desire for a new Giants stadium to replace aging Candlestick Park was repeatedly thwarted. Bay Area voters had defeated four separate proposals that, if successful, would have resulted in the construction of a new ballpark, which he deemed critical to the team's success. On August 7th, 1992, Lurie announced that he had reached a deal to sell the club to a five-man group of Tampa investors for $110 million. The arrangement required approval of three-quarters of the teams in the National League, as well as a majority of American League clubs. Within weeks, nearly 30,000 fans sent in deposits to secure their Tampa Bay Giants season tickets for the 1993 season. But San Francisco would not be counted out. A powerful group of local investors led by Safeway Supermarket CEO Peter McGowan cobbled together a $100 million bid to keep the team in the San Francisco Bay Area where the Giants had moved from New York 35 years earlier. On November 10th, NL owners voted 9-4 to four to reject the proposed move to Florida, thus opening the door for McGowan's group, who completed their deal to buy the Giants, signed free agent Barry Bonds, and eventually financed the ballpark in San Francisco, today's Oracle Park, which still shines brightly more than two decades after its debut. Tampa got their expansion team, the Devil Rays, in 1998. But today, Buster, we pay tribute to the Tampa Bay Giants, and they are this week's Phantom Franchise. So I haven't given you an opportunity to prepare for this, and this is totally off the top of my head, but I think it's a fun conversation, uh, not only about the Giants, you could do this with any organization. If you were to drop a list of the 10 most important people in that organization's history, okay, and you're talking about the Giants, I think you would agree with me, Willie Mays, you know, there's a chance he'd be number one. John McGraw would be in there someplace. I think Peter McGowan would be somewhere in the top four or five. Uh, you know, think about the experience of Giants fans and how he really shaped what happened between uh, the retention of the ballpark or the ball team in San Francisco, the pursuit of bonds, and the building of that beautiful ballpark. You buy it or you disagree? No, I totally agree. And listen, this is a franchise. Uh, the roots of the Giants date back to the 1880s here in New York. So that's a pretty serious statement, but I totally agree. You know, we talk time and time again in this sequence, Buster, all season long about how the Giants were going to move here. The Oakland Athletics were going to move here. Without him, most likely that franchise does not 
secure that ballpark, secure the franchise, and to your point, set it on a uh, an upward trajectory that resonates to this very day. Stable franchise, like I said, right at the top, a cornerstone for MLB. Unimaginable that they could be anywhere else. And I'll tell you, Buster, that ballpark has aged exceptionally well in the uh, 20 plus years since it opened. Yeah, in the years to come, when there's conversation about the Hall of Fame and, and executives, I, you know, Peter McGowan at some point should be put uh, put in for sure. All right, let's get to this week's quiz, which I hope doesn't involve colors. Well, that will come soon enough, but not this week, my friend. Woohoo! When the Chicago Cubs won the 2016 World Series in a Game Seven for the ages, they wore two different sleeve patches on their jerseys. One depicted the World Series logo. What was on the other one? Was it A, the Cubs' walking bear logo? Was it B, a logo commemorating Wrigley Field? Was it C, the logo of the National League? Or was it D, the image of a billy goat, eyes wide open, looking slightly nervous? (laughs) Chicago Cubs, Game 7, 2016. They wear the World Series logo on one sleeve. What's on the other? The walking bear, a Wrigley Field logo, the NL logo or the crazed image of a billy goat? Uh, Taylor, you want to go first? You're going to pick D? <laughs> I considered it. I considered it, but I'm going to go with the uh, the Wrigley patch. Okay. Sarah? Okay, so his last two questions, the answers have been B and C, which leads me to believe it's A or D. The billy goat is so far out there that I'm so tempted to have that be my answer, but I'm going to go A. I'm going A too, Todd. You are all incorrect because it's the logo of the National League. Mm. Unbelievable. I don't know about you guys. The Chicago Cubs. Oh, of course. Yes, 150 years. What an idiot. Well, but but I always, you know, (laughs) I like everybody envisions this moment and they're wearing an alternate jersey. And that alternate jersey contains the National League logo. And I will say to all of you that there have been times that I've been asked to update the National League logo on the Chicago uniforms because there are 15 stars in that logo. And at one time there were 14, then it changed to 15. So anyway, you're all wrong. Shape up. Better better weeks ahead. (laughs) All right, Todd. Well, thank you. I'll say hi to Sir Paul for you. Please, please do, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. All right, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. Richard Kelsey at That Chester Kid is up first. Don't know what was more shocking, Madden getting fired or Marcus Semyon going seven for eight with four runs scored, three home runs, three RBIs, and two stolen bases. Definitely Madden, but wow, what a night for Semyon. My fantasy team thanks him big time. <laughs> no, I think it was definitely Simeon, given how he had been performing so far this year. A breakout for him. I mentioned uh, when in talking with Dave, I, I don't think this was a surprise about Joe. Frank at F Bonfig 7 writes, in, in light of what Madden said, the way the game is trending, do, what do managers provide that front offices and clubhouse leaders can't already provide? Do you see a future that involves more player managers like in my softball leagues? Yeah, uh, and he's, this is a reference to what Joe Madden told Ken Rosenthal in an interview right after he got fired. Um, no, I, I don't think they're going to be player managers because I think the job is too hard. It's too involved. Uh, you know, the comparison I've made is uh, major league managers these days are like White House spokespeople. 
Like you, you just don't have enough time in the day, you know, with all the media obligations that they have to deal with. Um, I, I do think that generally speaking, the, the pendulum swinging back toward experience managers because of the success of guys like Buck Showalter and Bob Melvin, but it, it just felt like an oil and water situation out in Anaheim. Next up, we have Josh Schmitz at Chivalry Undead writes in the Angels are an organization of patience, keeping guys in the clubhouse for careers, e.g. Salmon, Weaver, riding Soch for years, cutting with pool host last year, and now firing Madden. Is this a sign of new organizational style or moves of desperation? Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, the common denominator with all this is Artie Moreno, their owner, who can <laughs> be very impetuous and he really needs to hire people that he trusts. And as far as I've heard, Perry Manassian fits that uh, description at this point, but he just needs to let him do his job because whenever, you know, Artie jumps in or a lot of times when Artie jumps in problems arise, like when he went out and, and uh, in the span of about 48 hours, made a deal with Albert Pujols. Up next, Corey Childs at M. Corey Childs writes in, did Mike Trout make a mistake being locked up by the angels or will things turn around one day? Uh, I don't think you make a mistake signing a $430 million contract. I do wonder if Trout gets into his mid-30s and the Angels continue to struggle to get to the postseason, if at some point he might go to the Angels and say, hey, it's it's not working out and I really want to be on the big stage. Mr. Jakey writes in, listening to Howard Bryant talk about Ricky, he mentioned that Ricky never retired. I'm pretty sure Barry Bonds didn't either. Any other Hall of Famers who never officially retired from baseball? Yeah, and just to follow up, I'm, I'm, Barry Bonds didn't retire because if you look at his statistics, uh, how good of a hitter he was at the end of his career, he had an absolute uh, right to believe that uh, he was blackballed, right? And uh, the sport basically didn't want him in the game, and so teams weren't willing to extend themselves. Uh, I, I think for Barry, it was to, to make a point. Um, I don't know off the top of my head any other player who didn't retire, though. Nicholas Rust at Nick Rust 17 writes, and how about some love for Luis Arise leading the world in batting average on base percentage? He's a bona fide Tony Gwynn 2.0. Whoa there, Nicholas. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Luis Arise is terrific, but I covered Tony Gwynn. He's not close to being compared to him. <laughs> and I'm totally biased because I love Tony. Uh, and Tony did what he did for a lot of years. Last one for today, Amilcar Solizano, H, writes in at Ash Solo 26. If Marcelo Mayer is the shortstop of the future for the Red Sox, would that be the reason not to sign Xander right away? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think anybody thinks that Xander Bogart's going to be a shortstop for the rest of his life. I think if they sign him to a, you know, if the Red Sox had signed him to an extension this spring, that there would have been a conversation about, hey, in a year or two, we're going to move you to second base. We're going to move you to third base. Uh, one way or the other, I think they didn't want to pay Xander, uh, just as they didn't want to pay Mookie. That's the reason why that uh, that happened. Alrighty, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Keep them coming. I was going to say to everybody, too, thanks for the YouTube response. Taylor, I'm sure you saw the numbers the other day with the with the uh, episode that Tim and I did. Very exciting. And you know what always gets me? You tweet them out with just like the title that our, our friends in the YouTube department put them on. And people get so fired up in your mentions about the title of the YouTube page. So it's, if you're only commenting on Buster's tweet about the title, take that energy to the video and, and really soak it in there and then respond to him, please. Yeah. So every day, it's funny about that. Every day, you know, we get emails uh, where they're, they send us uh, copies to the links 
of the articles that are going out. And I, you know, you want to be a good teammate and promote your, the other writer's work. And so all like this morning, June Lee wrote a piece. And so I just said, June Lee writes colon, and then it'll have the article. And it's amazing how many people go back at me like Buster, that was a dumb article. How could you write that? (laughs) How could you Buster? (laughs) I put June Lee's name in the article. It doesn't matter. It's on (laughs) your Twitter. In the, uh, in the tweet. I think you ought to be able to figure that out. (laughs) No, too much reading. Sorry, everyone. All right, that's it for today. I mean, thanks to Dave, Todd, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, hate and equality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.